The podcast players and Menasha High School proudly present Episode 4, The Speckled Band, an adaptation of the story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, written by Kylie Shannon and performed by the students of Menasha High School. When going over all the cases that I had had the pleasure of accompanying Sherlock Holmes on, nearly 70 at this point, some have struck me as rather odd. In the eight years of our friendship, I had seen the strange the grotesque, and even, at times, the horrific. Yet, there has been no case that had been as singular as that of the speckled band I shall surely never forget. It all started back in the April of 1883. I was asleep in my bed. Holmes had always been a late sleeper, so naturally, it came as a surprise to me when I woke up to find... What in the name? Sorry to give you a fright, Watson. But Miss Hudson woke me up, so I thought I would do the same to you. And what has you both up? A fire? Don't be so ornery. We have a client. At a quarter past seven. It seems like a young lady has arrived in a state of excitement. And if a young lady is wandering the city in an excited state at this hour of the morning, then I presume it will be an interesting case. I also assume you would like to take part. Well, you've woken me, so... Excellent. Throw on a dressing robe and meet us immediately. Though, you could do with a shave first. We'll wait. Really? Just sometimes, Holmes. I had seen many an interesting character in our sitting room, there to call upon my friend's brilliant mind. Yet, I was still struck sometimes by a person. The young lady was no different. My first impression of her was her dress, all in black and a heavy veil that covered her face. She sat near the window, looking out. Ah, Watson. There you are. Madam, may I present to you dear John Watson, my closest friend and intimate associate. Please speak as freely around him as you would I. Please draw up to the fire. Would you care for a coffee? I see you are shivering. Thank you, but it's no cold that makes me shake. What is it then? Fear, Mr. Watson, and terror. She then removed her veil and we could see that it was true. She was beautiful, yes, and her eyes gave away the youth that was still there. Yet her hair had prematurely grayed, and her expression was tired. Upon seeing this, I saw Holmes' demeanor change, and he spoke in a softer tone. You have no reason to fear, ma'am. I shall set the matter straight. You came by the train this morning, by the looks of it. Do you know me? No. I only saw one half of a return ticket stuffed in your glove. My, you had to come in the dog cart, too. Unusual when someone arrives so early in the morning. How did you- It's no mystery. The left arm of your jacket is splattered with mud in seven different places and they're fresh. Only a dog cart could get you that dirty, and only if you sat on the left side of the driver. Well, whatever your reasons, it's all true. I came here early because I can take this strain no longer. Even now, I still think I'll go mad. Then do say what troubles you. Yet, I am afraid- There is no person in the world who loves me, save for one man, and he is of no service here. I fear you might not be able to do anything for me. I only came because Miss Farintosh said that if anyone could solve my problem, it would be you. Ah, Miss Farintosh with her opal tiara. This was before your time, Watson. My dear, I can say with absolute confidence that my friend is the best in the business. If anyone can alleviate you of your fears, it would be him. 
All you must do is tell what terrifies you. That is one of the worst parts. The horror of my situation lies in the fact that I know so little about it. Then simply tell us what you can. Well, my name is Helen Stoner. I live with my stepfather, one of the last of his lineage, the Royalets of Stoke Moran, on the western border of Surrey. I have heard that name before. At the height of their wealth, the family used to live in old estates all over England with a particularly large lot in Hampshire. Yet a few bad turns and one bad gambler in the Regency lost it all. Now all that remains is a few acres of land and two hundred-year-old house cursed by debt. My stepfather, in an attempt to make better for himself, went on to become a doctor and left for Calcutta. However, when his house was robbed, he beat his butler to death in anger and narrowly escaped capital sentencing. Oh my! He was imprisoned for quite some time and came back to England morose. He had married my mother when he was in India, but she died in a railway accident shortly after we came back. When this happened, my stepfather abandoned all hope of keeping practice and took us to live in his family home. Surely you had some income coming to you. Well, my father was a general in the army, which left my mother as his widow quite the sum. One thousand pounds a year. Although this was given to my stepfather in marriage, this has been used to keep Julia and I happy and fulfilled in all of our wishes. Or I should say it did. And who is this, Julia? My apologies. She was my sister. I see. Please, go on. Well, when we returned to the family house, a horrible change came over my stepfather. He refused to see the neighbors and shut himself up, only coming out to have horrendous quarrels. The Royalets have always had a temper, and I dare think the tropics made my stepfather's worse. These quarrels became embarrassingly public, some even ending in a court of law. He was the terror of the village. His only friends were the traveling gypsies who would sometimes camp along our grounds and any Indian animal he could get his hands on. Presently, he has a cheetah and a baboon that wander the grounds. If you don't mind me asking, I'm curious as to what happened to your sister. She died almost two years ago, bless her soul. It's actually of her death that I wish to speak to you about. Then do tell. A little before her death, she had met a fine major for the marines and they were set to be married. My stepfather made no objection, so all was set. Yet, a fortnight before the festivities, she was dead. As you continue now, I beg that you be as precise as possible. How could I be anything but? All of it is seared terribly into my memory. Only one wing of the manor is inhabited. The bedrooms go Dr. Roylet, my stepfather, my sister, and then mine. There is no communication between them. I see. All of the windows open to the lawn. Dr. Roylet had retired early, though by the smell of Indian cigars we knew he had not gone to sleep. My sister and I were in my room speaking of the upcoming wedding when she paused and said, Helen, have you ever heard a whistle in the night? Never. Do you think you might whistle in your sleep? I shouldn't think so. Why do you ask? The last few nights I have heard a whistling, always at three in the morning. It always awakens me, but I don't know where it comes from. Perhaps it's those horrid gypsies. But if it were on the lawn, don't you think you would hear it too? Well, I am a heavier sleeper than you. I suppose you're right. Soon after that, she left, and I heard her lock herself in. Was it your custom? <laughs> Always. Perhaps you would too if a cheetah and a baboon roamed freely on your estate. I would probably do the same. I couldn't sleep at all that night, as if I knew something bad was about to happen. We were twins, my sister and I, 
and I felt there was something about to happen to one of us. Then, all of a sudden, I heard it. I sprang from my bed, wrapped up in my shawl, and threw open the door. And as I did, I hear it. The whistle. I was dumbstruck. Then I heard a metal clanging sound. My sister's door burst open, startling me. And there she was, her face blanched in terror, her figure swaying to and fro. I rushed up to her. My God, Julia! It's him! I saw it! Saw what? Oh my God, Helen! It was the band! The speckled band! What? What is the meaning of this? Julia! Oh my! Julia! Julia! She's unconscious! I'll fetch the brandy. My stepfather tried to revive her, but it was no use. She died in my arms. A whistling and a metallic sound. You swear you heard these? I believe so, but it, it is an old house. Was your sister dressed? She was in her nightgown. All she held was the stump of a match. So she must have been looking at something. I assume the coroner came? Yes, but he wasn't able to find a cause of death. The door was locked from the inside, the windows fastened, and the chimney barred. All he could tell was my sister was quite alone when she died. And there were no marks. Poison, perhaps? The doctors looked, but to no success. What is your belief that she died of, then? Well... Fear, I suppose, though I cannot tell from what. Were there gypsies around? Yes. I thought that might have been the speckled band, actually. The one they sometimes wear over their head. Hmm. Is there any more to the story? Not until recently. A very good friend of mine had asked for my hand in marriage, more out of kindness, I think, to save me from being so lonely. Percy Armitage is his name. My stepfather has offered no objection. There had been some repairs done to the house, and my room was damaged. I've had to move into my sister's old room for the time being. Imagine my horror that, on my first night there, I heard the whistling again. That was last night. You see, I have come as quickly as I could. That seems very wise. But that is not the end of the story. What do you mean? You have not told me all about your stepfather. I have said all I wish. He is a hard man who hardly knows his own strength. That's all. Well... There's no use sitting here. Watson, care to accompany me to Stoke Moran? I would have no greater pleasure. Then we haven't a moment to lose. Come now, we must investigate. Ah, by the looks of it, it seems we have reached Stoke Moran. There's someone coming towards us. Is it Miss Stoner? No, indeed. I think we're about to make our first acquaintance with the good doctor. What is the meaning of this? Good afternoon, sir. Rather a nasty draft, isn't it? My stepdaughter came to see you. I know who you are. Holmes the busybody. We were only- Holmes the meddler. Holmes the Scotland Yard jack in office. Your conversation is most entertaining. Shall we discuss more, Overty? I tell you now, Mr. Holmes, stay out of it. Not many man has lasted once he's in my grip. Well, he seems amiable. You're not troubled. Hardly. I may not have much bulk, but I'm sure my grip would be comparable with his own. Ah, but here's our unhappy client. 
Mr. Holmes, a thousand apologies, my stepfather. Don't worry about a thing, my dear madam. Let us simply begin the investigation straight away. Would you like to see the room? Your papers, actually, if any of them are present. Oh, certainly. Though, the room. All in good time. I have a feeling about the papers I would like to check first. After a few hours of carefully going over the papers, Holmes seemed pleased enough to see the room. We passed what once had been Miss Stoner's room, now down for repair. I glanced at it as we went by and frowned. Turning to my friend, his look confirmed my suspicions. There seemed to be no reason for repair. Here's the room, gentlemen. What do you make of it, Holmes? Is this bell pole here new? It looks newer than the rest of the room. Yes, it was only put in a couple of years ago. It's supposed to ring the housekeeper. Would you or your sister have ever used it? <laughs> no. We just get things ourselves. Let us try it now. Peculiar. What is it? You see that it doesn't ring? In fact, if you look more closely, it's not even connected to a string. How very peculiar. In fact, it seems to open a ventilator in another room. What sort of foolish builder does that? I have a hunch. What is in there? That is my stepfather's room. May we? The desk. Locked. What is inside? Mostly business papers. Not a cat? A cat? Do you see the saucer of milk? We do have a cheetah and a baboon. Yes, but this would satisfy neither. Hold on. I think I've seen enough. You just sat in his chair and got back up. But it was enough. Hello there. What is this? It looks like a common lash, though I can't see why it would be tied around itself. Which makes it not so common indeed. Miss Stoner, I do believe you had right to worry. I must ask that you now follow my instructions in every respect. Whatever you say shall be done. It is essential that Watson and I stay in your room tonight. What? Tell your stepfather you have a headache and retire early. Is there a village in nearby? Yes, the crown. Take all you need for the night. Then I'll latch to this window and leave a lamp there as a symbol. I assume you could retire to your old room for the night, despite the repairs? I believe so. Then all is assured. M Mr. Holmes, do you think my sister died from fright? No, ma'am. Something more tangible, I'm afraid. We must go now and make sure our friend the doctor sees us go, or all will be in vain. Holmes and I retired to the crown to take up our vigil. All night we spent at the window, waiting for darkness to come and for our signal to appear. Well, Holmes, what do you make of it? Did you see the bed? What of it? It was fastened to the floor. The lady could not move it from its place. Peculiar, isn't it? I guess no more peculiar than the faulty vent and bell. Ah, but I knew I would find that. Did you really? I've had a horrible feeling we've been on the precipice of something horrible ever since we arrived. But look, I do think I see our signal. I do believe you are right. We snuck across the grounds then, the dark of night cloaking us. When we were close to the house, I saw Holmes take off his shoes. I did the same. We made our way into the room, and Holmes noiselessly closed the window behind us. He crept over to me, and, in a voice barely above a breath, whispered, the least sound would be fatal to our plans. I nodded. 
We must stay in darkness, for he will see through the ventilator. Your life depends on you staying awake. Sit in that armchair with your revolver ready and make no sound. I watched my friend creep slowly to the bed, rest his cane on his knee, and turn out the light. What a dreadful vigil it was. Then we heard it. Someone had lit a dark lantern. We could see a faint light gleaming from the ventilator. We sat for half an hour, our ears straining to hear anything else. And then it came. And then a hissing sound, like steam escaping from an engine. Watson, look out! I stumbled over to strike a match as Holmes lashed at something furiously with his cane. It was the bell pole. Holmes, what are you doing? Did you see it, Watson? Did you see it? No, the light momentarily blinded me. My God, Holmes, you look like you've seen a ghost. Are you... (coughs) Good Lord, Holmes! Let it be. What? Holmes, do you know what that was? Indeed I do. It was so loud, the village must have heard. But what does it mean? It means it's all over. And perhaps that is for the best. What do you mean? Come, you might still need your revolver. This is Dr. Roylet's room. Indeed. My God, Dr. Roylet! He's dead! But what is that around his head? That would be the speckled band, or the swamp adder, the deadliest snake in India. He died ten seconds after the bite. I'll wrangle him back into the desk. Go and get Miss Stoner. Escort her somewhere safe for the night. We will let the county officials deal with the rest. Did you know this was to happen the whole time? I had an idea. Looking over the papers today, I saw Dr. Roylet would be left with no money if his stepdaughters got married, as all the money came from his late wife and would be used as a dowry for her children. It was a simple case of greed. But I don't understand. What of the snake? What was the whistling? It was a trained snake, Watson. The whistling was Roylet coaxing it from the locked desk where he kept it, hence why the milk saucer was there. He played the whistle as it slithered along the pipes and into the late Miss Stoner's room by the bell pole. Brilliant. And did you guess it was a snake the whole time? I assumed a snake, for he had many other interesting animals from India here, and it could fit into the ventilator and through the bell pole he put in the room. I did not realize the snake would turn out his master when I attacked him, but perhaps that was for the best. But come now, Watson. We should get Miss Stoner to safety. She has had quite a fright already. And I suppose... At least this case will prove intriguing to some of your readers, if you do care to write it down. We hope you enjoyed this presentation of The Speckled Band by the Podcast Players, featuring the following students from Menasha High School. Miles Beach, Sherlock Holmes, Connor Whitby, Watson, Serena De Los Santos, Helen, Wesley Wiederhold, Julia, and Michelle James Roylet. Students performed under the supervision of Michelle James. I'm Randy Shannon, host of Podcast Players. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and look forward to our next production.